0: Welcome to the Zion Church Podcast. We are a church that is passionate about bringing heaven to earth by following Jesus, who demonstrated perfect Christianity. We hope you are blessed by this teaching from Josh Wood. I want to invite you to turn with me right now to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to start there. Proverbs chapter 4, and starting in verse 10. Proverbs 4, verse 10. So we know that the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. And so this is Solomon uh, here speaking and even instructing his children. And he says here, starting in verse 10, he says, Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many i have taught you in the way of wisdom i have led you in right paths when you walk your steps will not be hindered when you run you will not stumble take firm hold of instruction do not let go keep her for she is your life do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil avoid it do not travel on it turn away from it and pass on For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make and make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life." Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil." I'm going to pray right now. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you are the living word. And Lord, I just pray today that you would minister and speak through me. Jesus, it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words, Lord. Because when you speak, your words are spirit and they're life. So today, I just thank you for a release of revelation. I thank you for a release, Lord God, of transformation. We didn't come here for information. We came here for revelation. So Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for deep, life-changing revelation to be released right now. A spirit of revelation and understanding in this room, Lord, in all of our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, that, that is a really great passage of Scripture. It's really, uh, it, it's incredible. There's so much that we can get out of it. And really what I want us to look at here is a couple of things today. And we're going to kind of hone in on, on one particular topic. And I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. Uh, but here... Uh, in the book of proverbs he's talking all about the way that we live our lives and the way that we walk and he's talking about walking in the path of righteousness right paths and you know if we're familiar with the book of psalms i know probably the you know most famous psalm ever written is psalm 23 when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to say that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And, uh, and I love that because this proverb here is talking all about the way of the wicked, the, the path of wickedness and the path of righteousness. And, you know, really we can look at it this way is that because God is our creator, he designed us to live a certain way spirit, soul and body. He designed us to live a certain way and that's what the Bible calls righteousness. It's like the person who designed a microwave didn't design a microwave to put metal in it. Sure, you've got free will. You can pop open your microwave and put, put a metal ball in it or a fork or whatever you want to, you know, do. But who knows what's going to happen if you turn that on? There's going to be sparks flying. Your microwave might catch on fire. It might be a, a bad day. Why? Because a microwave wasn't designed to put metal in it. So the reality is is that as human beings, our Creator designed us to live a certain way. It's not that He's a joy kill because He doesn't want us to just do whatever we want. Is that He knows what is right for us and the best way that's going to bring joy and peace and long life and satisfaction, all of these things. But who knows that it's not just spiritually but in every area of your life, the paths of righteousness, the right paths. It's not just a singular way. It's talking about the areas of your life here as well. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about you know uh, sin and, and righteousness and doing different things. But he talks about you know keeping these things in your heart. And uh, and really, we we read there as well in uh, in verse. What is it here? Uh, Verse 23, it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And then he goes on talking about putting away a deceitful mouth and perverse lips. And then he says here in verse 25, he said, Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Does that sound familiar? There's many passages in the Bible that are like that. Actually, the Lord said that to Moses and he said it to Joshua. He talked about don't turn to the right or to the left. Uh, and we're going to look at another little passage here right now in uh, Luke chapter 11. If you want to flip, flip to Luke 11 with me now, we're going to look at something. And I kind of want to break this apart a little bit, break it down. Luke 11 and verse 33 no, that's not right, is it, Lord? Uh, yeah, no, that is right. Luke eleven thirty three. I'm reading, it, an unclean spirit returns. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's 20, 23, 24. So Luke eleven thirty three, it says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, "No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket." So in your house, you don't light a lamp and then go and put it under the cushion or put it under a basket, but you put it on a lampstand. Why? That those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives gives you light you know it 's a really interesting passage here. Jesus is talking about a lamp he 's talking about light. But then he he puts it on us. He's using an analogy. We know, we understand when he's talking about a lamp. But then he says that the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is an eye. That is a really interesting concept. Let's keep reading again. I just want to rehash this. He says, therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. You know, it's interesting. He doesn't say when your eye is good, everything around you is lit. He says, when your eye is good, your body is full of light. Your eye is the gateway to your soul. We just read here in Proverbs when it talks about let your eye look straight ahead, don't turn to the right or to the left. It's the same thing. It's the same revelation, the same principle the Lord is talking about here. But what I want to highlight here is uh, I'm reading today out of the New King James, but it says um, in verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good... You know, that word in the Greek, it doesn't really mean good in the sense that we understand. That word in the Greek, I'm not going to try to pronounce it for you because I'll probably mess it up. Uh, but that, that word is actually, should, uh, is probably translated single. I believe the King James Version translated as single. When your eye is single, another way that that word can be translated is whole or even simple. When your eye is single, not looking to the right or to the left, when your eye is simple, or when your eye is whole. What does that mean? What does it mean? You know what? Um, In the world, the devil works from the outside and tries to get in. The devil works in circumstances. He comes against you through circumstances, tries to come against your flesh, because he wants to try to get from your flesh into your soul and then from your soul into your spirit. You can break the soul down in a couple of different ways. Uh, Traditionally, a lot of people agree that your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I would look at the soul as this, essentially your mind and your heart, your inner man, your inner workings, how you see, how you perceive. And the interesting thing with this is, is that as human beings We don't see reality the way that it is We see reality the way that we are We see reality through the lens of our own life Of our own soul That's why sometimes uh, you know, We can go through life And you know, whether relationships And uh, sometimes we can have the same problems everywhere we go whether it's in a, from relationship to relationship, some people run from city to city. Sometimes people go from church to church and seem to have the same issues around them everywhere they go. I'm sure no one here can relate to that at all. And the reason is that sometimes they're like, why does this happen? Everywhere I go, it's the same stuff. The reality is, is that a lot of it has to do with the way that we see That's why sometimes, you know, you might have heard me say this before, but sometimes as as human beings, if we find ourselves uh, negative about life and about other people and circumstances, sometimes the people that are the most negative about others, the reason is, is usually because they're quite negative about themselves. When you're a negative person, you see through the lens of negativity, and that's how you see everything around you. Negative, 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 negative. And we tend to not see reality for the way that it is. We see through the lens of our own soul. That's why Jesus says here, if your eye is good, that's, it is a great word, good, healthy. But if your eye is single, if your eye is whole, If your soul is whole, if your heart is whole and single, if your soul is healthy and good, then you see life and you see reality through that lens. But the interesting thing is, is that he says, if your eye is good, then your body will be full of light. If you see things through a healthy eye, through a single eye, it's not just about you looking out, but it's about what comes in, what comes into your soul. If you look through that lens and your eye isn't healthy, your eye isn't whole, and you see maybe negative judgment, whatever, then what you're actually doing is is that stuff is actually coming into your heart. That's why we just read there in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart. That's a word there in Hebrew, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Why are we to guard our soul, to steward? You and I are the stewards of our own soul. No one else is the steward of your soul but you. And we're to watch over and to guard and to steward our soul, our mind, our heart. Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. And one thing I want us to look at today and kind of look at this from this angle. When I was praying, I really felt... uh, to kind of take this slant on this, uh, this reality today, uh, is that, life and we see this through scripture as well and if you've been around a little bit you know you get to meet a few different people in life and i've been amazed sometimes when i see people who maybe you know have a great call on their life gifted in different ways i'm not even just talking about ministry i'm just talking about life in general but for some reason or another they struggle to step into fulfilling their destiny Sometimes you can have someone extremely gifted, you know, have just this incredible gift on their life. And then you see someone else who maybe might not even be gifted to the same degree that they are. But for some reason, one steps into their destiny and the other doesn't. We see it all through Scripture. You know, I'll just take one example uh, just to break it down. is someone like King Saul. There's a million different examples in Scripture. King Saul ended really poorly But he didn't start poorly at all. He actually started in a really good place. He started a really good place when he was chosen by God to be king over Israel. He was anointed by Samuel and he was doing amazing. He put God first. He sought the Lord. His eye was single. But then things began to creep into his soul. He began to see people and situations through a twisted and a distorted lens. And it actually uh, it subverted the flow of God in and through his life and actually took him to a place where he was no longer fit to be king. And this is a man who led, you know, armies, you know, battles, was successful in everything that he was doing. Israel was prospering under the rule of King Saul. But then as Saul's eye began to be twisted and distorted, all of Israel began to follow suit. To the point that uh, there were things around him, situations, and he was reacting poorly. And then we had uh, David, young David, rising up in the ranks. And jealousy began to fill Saul's heart towards David. And we saw that jealousy brought bitterness and resentment towards David. And all of a sudden, one day, David's in his court and Saul gets so angry at David that he actually picks up a spear and tries to kill David. It's incredible. How did it happen? He did not guard his heart. He did not steward the way that he saw life and the things that he saw through a distorted lens began to get into his heart. And it actually shipwrecked him essentially in his faith and his journey with God. And it brought him to a place that he was no longer able to continue as king over Israel. The sad thing is, is that there are still so many Christians, not even in the same covenant, in a new covenant, that if we're not careful, because Jesus is speaking here to us, some of us, sometimes life and circumstances, things around us can begin to creep into our eye, creep into our soul and our perspective. And he says here, if the light that is in you is darkness... If the way that you're seeing and you think, no, I'm right, I'm seeing it for how it is, you know, if what is actually in you that you think is light is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this is important to me because I want every single one of us to be able to step into and walk in all that God has called us to be and do. But the reality is, is that there are actually things in life, if we don't guard our heart, and if we don't guard our eye, there are things that can come in to our heart and into our mind that can actually stop us from stepping into all that God has actually called us to be and do. That would be a tragedy. That would be a tragedy if, if you could not step into the plan that God has for your life. But the reality is, is it happens more often than, than the other way around. More often, than lo- uh, more often than not in life, a lot of people, a lot of us struggle to step into that thing that God's called us to do because of this very thing that I'm talking about right now. You know, one thing that is important to point out here, and it's, you know, it's probably, you know, it's really important for us to understand, you know, Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So if God's put a gift on your life, God has put a call on your life, God isn't going to take it away from you. But the reality is, is that not everyone that's been gifted and not everyone that's called actually steps into the fullness of that gift or that calling. Somehow we've, we've got this concept of fate, this unbiblical concept of fate has come into the body of Christ. And we think that just because I got a prophetic word that I'm going to do some wonderful, great thing that I just have to sit back and it's going to automatically happen. Prophecy is not fate. The invitation of God is not fate in the sense that if someone says, God's called you to be, you know, got this gift on your life for business and, you know, whatever it might be. You're going to, you know, empower business people and, you know, this kind of thing and bring kingdom principles into business. Whatever that gift or that calling might be, that is an invitation for you to step into The gift and call on your life is an invitation for you to step into what God has for you. It's not a given. It takes stewardship. It takes intention. It takes intentionality. That's the difference between fate and calling. Prophecy is the Father showing you the potential that you have in Him it's an invitation I want us to have a look at something here another little passage in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 1 Corinthians 10 are you guys okay? you breathing? it's getting warm in here 1 Corinthians chapter 10 And we're going to read we're going to read a little passage here and this is important for us because you know sometimes in life you go when you go through certain circumstances sometimes you learn what you need to do what to do sometimes uh, situations and things we go through we also learn what not to do would you agree with me the exact same thing with scripture and i want us to have a look at this example here In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and just start in verse 1. We're going to read quite a few verses here, and then I kind of want to break it down, and uh, we'll see where we land this. Paul's saying here, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. Wow. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Just pause there for a moment. If you're in Christ today, maybe you're in Christ, you partook of communion, you believe in Jesus, you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of example he's wanting us to say. They were in. It wasn't that they were out. They were in, but something went wrong. Something went wrong. And he says here in verse 6, Now these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of, of some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as I know none of us here complain at all, do we? Nor complain as some of them also complain and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, guys, he's not writing to people under the old covenant. He's writing to us. This is to us. If you're a Christian today... Paul is writing to you. Verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples. Or they were written, recorded as our examples. Um, They were written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's us. We're living in the end time. For the last 2,000 years it's been the end of the age. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. What does that mean? Therefore him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. The reality is, is that all of these things try to creep into our lives subtly and without notice. The children of Israel weren't necessarily in the wilderness fully understanding and knowing that they're missing God or they're purposely being disobedient. For some of us, these things can try to creep into the lens of our soul very, very subtly. Even little things like complaining. That's what they did. There were famous complainers in the wilderness. It's all through Scripture. How they complained against God and grumbled against Moses. They weren't happy with the bread. Then they weren't happy with the, the, uh, the, the meat that came, ta- that came down. They just complained and complained all the time. Some of us think complaining is like a normal thing. It's actually not. It's not a part of God's plan to sit back and look at life and look at people and complain and grumble on oh, no, on no, no, on on about people all the time. It says that they complained and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Wow. Some of, what are some of the things that can come into the lens of our, our life and our soul? I want to kind of look at some of these things right now. We're kind of, I kind of touch on a few things there uh, in this passage. You know, but some of the big ones that we don't even realize can distort our lens. I'm going to list a few things here. One of them is disappointment. Disappointment can eat your lunch. Eat your lunch. What is Disappointment. Is that something that you expected, an appointment, didn't turn out the way that you, the way that you planned, the way that you wanted. Disappointment. Wrong beliefs. Hosea, and Hosea, God says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And then he goes on to say, and having been given the knowledge, they rejected it. Some of us, what we don't know, what we don't understand is destroying us. In the world we have the same, what you don't know won't hurt you. That's not true. That's the wisdom of this world. It's not the wisdom of heaven. Paul talks about that as well in Romans chapter 6. He talks about what we don't know can keep us in bondage. Some of us, it's a lack of identity. Some of us don't fully know or believe who the Father says that we are and a lack of identity can stop us because we see life in ourselves and God through that lens can stop us from obtaining the promises of God for our lives for some for some of us for some of us it can be unbelief that's a big one In fact, Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 talk all about that with the children of Israel. It says that they could not step into the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. Jesus talks about that as well in the Gospels, especially with His disciples. When they tried to do miracles, when they tried to cast out that uh, spirit out, the epileptic boy in Matthew 17, they said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? The reason was, was because of their unbelief. Unbelief. Here's a big one offense. Offense. Pastor Don preaches this great sermon uh, about offense. And he's talking about seeing people or maybe trying to relate to people if we carry offense. And it's really funny because he gets like a a section of picket fencing. And he gives this illustration where he gets up on stage, he's got his picket fencing, and he tries to put his arm through the, the railings. And then he gets someone up on stage and he tries to hug them. And you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't embrace people the way that you should when you're carrying offense. That's the whole message. That's his whole message. You can't do it. The reality is is that some of us are really offended. And your offense is actually stopping you from seeing life and reality and maybe yourself and other people the way that God does. And your offense, what is in your heart and what is in your mind is actually inhibiting you from stepping into the call of God, the fullness of that call for your life. Here's one that I touched on with Saul. Jealousy. Man, that'll eat your lunch. Jealousy. Oh, look at that person. That's not fair. They've got that going on. And why doesn't anyone see what I've got? Jealousy. That can fit in as well with pride. The interesting thing is that the New Testament, the book of James, it says, God gives grace to the humble, but he actually resists the proud. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's one of the ways that we that we discipline our boys at home. That if they make a mistake, you've probably heard me say this before, if they're quick to be humble, Dad, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, Dad, like, you know, I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. There's grace. If they dig their heels and they're like, I did nothing wrong, I'm not apologizing. It's like, all right, buddy, then you're gonna have to sit out because your pride is, is causing you and the family to you know, have you know, dysfunction or a problem, whatever it might be. God disciplines that way. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Resentment and bitterness. The Bible talks about that as well. It talks about a root of bitterness. Bitterness can stop us. From stepping into the call of God, the fullness of that call for our lives. Another one here, and he talks about this here in in First Corinthians ten, is unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin he talks even here, he talks about sexual immorality, things that we don't like to talk about maybe so much in church. But if you're living a life of unrepentant sin, you're like, ah, well, I'm saved by grace. God will forgive me. That's willful sin. And the Bible says in the New Testament that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Unrepentant sin. That doesn't mean that, you know, that you can't make a mistake or if you make a mistake in your hearts, you know, you're like, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. Unrepentant sin. Stuff that you're just like, ah, oh, well, you know what, we've all got our vice or, you know, that kind of stuff. Willful things that you don't want to repent from. Entitlement—that's a big one. Entitlement that can fit into, you know, some of the other things as well. Is that if we we feel like the world owes us or people owe us something, the Bible says, don't owe anyone anything except love. False humility sometimes because of a lack of identity, a lack of you know, God for this, instead of self-confidence, confidence in God, God for this, we can hide behind a lens of false humility. These are things that can eat our lunch. So God is calling us as Christians to steward our heart, to steward our mind in our eye, the lens through which we see life. Why are these things important? The children of Israel as a whole could not as a whole step into the promised land because of these things. As a church, guys, we cannot step into the fullness of what God has for us, even as a whole community, if these things aren't dealt with in our own heart. Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, that the connotation of that, the context of that can mean for your own heart, a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of resentment, whatever it might be, can cause problems in your whole life. But the reality is even in the context of community, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's amazing how contagious grumbling and, and complaining is, how contagious something like gossip is. So I want to encourage us as, as people as, as Christians, as the children of God, to be people that are humble, to be people that are dedicated to holiness, be people that, that before the Lord, we would humble our hearts and yield ourselves, ourselves to him and allow the Lord to cleanse out the junk that might be in our heart to help us see him, to help us see ourselves and other people the way that he sees people. And if for any of us, we see consistent patterns of things that happen, maybe in relationships, in workplace, or in church life, that it's kind of like that thing. Well everywhere I go, why is it that everyone's like this? I would propose to you, very humbly, that maybe it has something to do with the lens through which you see lives, through which you see life. Because the reality is is that everyone is going to disappoint you. Everyone is going to let you down. The only one that is not going to disappoint is the Lord. And even some of us, because we don't understand Him clearly through Jesus, even some of us have taken on offense towards God and disappointment. I remember one time... uh, The only time that I'm aware of that God spoke to me and I was actually really offended by what He said. The only one time that I I know of was when I went at the start when I was diagnosed with brain cancer and I was believing for a, a miracle turnaround and it didn't happen straight away the way that I was believing. And I remember one time driving in the car and I heard the Lord say to me, He said, Josh, I'm so sorry that you've gone through this. And I got really offended. I'm like, I don't want your sympathy, I want your help. And I was like shocked that that was in my heart that I responded that way. Some of us have even believed God for things and haven't seen those things turn out the way that we were believing or the way that we were hoping. And with this little seed of offense has been planted in our heart. You are the steward of your eye. You are the steward of your soul. And in order for us to step into this thing, we need to so steward our soul, steward our eye, that we don't allow any of these things to take root in our heart. Does that make sense? Now, this is what I want to do right now is, um, I don't know, where's Britt? Britt, maybe. (laughs) Brittany. did you want to come up? We're just going to have a little bit of time of worship here. But this is what I want to do. It's just real simple today, real practical. um, Because I, I fear for you. That's what Paul says. I fear for you that just as the serpent deceived Eve... That you would be taken away from the simplicity that's in christ my concern for every one of us is that if we don't understand these things that these things can come in and distort the lens through which we see life now this is what i what i want to ask right now is if any of this if any of what i said you're sitting there thinking oh yeah that's me you know what i actually have this thing going on in my heart or in my mind right now you know what god is a god of grace he's not standing here with a big stick to beat you up he wants to set you free from those things if you've got bitterness in your heart jesus wants to set you free if you've got jealousy towards someone in your heart today god wants to set you free from that thing god can heal you he can heal your soul just as easy as he can heal your body You've been listening to a Zion Church podcast. For more information about Zion Church, go to zionchurch.info. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash GC. And on Instagram, we're at Zion zionchurchofficial.